I'm David Heitler Clevens. And I'm Rodney Wittenberg. And this is Music for the New Revolution. We're back with our second part of our 2020 election specials, and this one is going to be focusing on voting. And uh, it's just a few days left, David. How does it feel? Yeah. <laughs> when our long. I feel so tense and anxious. <laughs> yeah. When our long national nightmare will continue Hopefully. in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> Hopefully be over. <laughs> well, and I know I, I, I just want to get through the election and have the results. And I know it could be a while, actually, mm-hmm. because there's going to be lots of challenges back and forth. I think yeah. about it. And uh, uh, what I keep hoping is that it'll just be so overwhelming and, and, you know, that Trump just can't fight it. And then he'll mm-hmm. flee the country and go live with his fun friend Putin in Russia. But, you know, that that's the yeah. best case scenario, uh, I think. He'll be an, uh, an illegal immigrant in another country. Not really welcome, but living there illegally. See, I have this theory that he would be totally welcomed in Russia because mm-hmm. I think Putin would love the idea mm-hmm. of like openly, you know, thumbing his nose in America and say, you see, now you can all see I owned your president right. for four yes. years. You know, yes. I think he would just totally love that. Right. So yeah. <laughs> Plus all the secrets that he knows would just be given right over and everything. Uh, yeah. Ah, scary breathe. stuff. But anyway, breathe. hopefully, yeah. But but before we can get there, mm-hmm. we need people to vote. Vote, uh, and that's the you know thrust of of today's episode. Yes, we spoke a lot in the last episode about at least I did. I <laughs> rambled on a lot about <laughs> how I, what I think about voting, but uh, I think this is more this where we're going to focus on just the more general idea of voting, not so much on this election, but in general. And one of the things I do hope, I really hope with all my heart, that after this election, if it goes the way that so many people want it to go, that they don't give up because there's still way more work to do and um, and to be involved on the local level, the, the regional level, or get at your state or, or um, nationally, whether you're an activist or you actually decide to go inside and become a uh, uh, work for the government as a, 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 an elected official, whatever you choose to do, do something. And I'm actually kind of hopeful about that happening because, you know, I, I feel like I feel like what happened in some ways when Obama got elected was that a lot of people who were really excited about that kind of sat back and said, "Okay, now he's going to fix everything for us. And and, you know, especially when people who were, you know, very progressive 
uh, you know, like I, you know, feel like we are uh, on the, that side of the spectrum politically. You know, I think a lot of people weren't always happy with everything that Obama did yeah. in, on certain things, drones and mm-hmm. and immigration, and mm-hmm. you know, and 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 instead of really demanding and pushing him to do the things that we wanted to do, which would have helped him actually do those things, people were kind of just expecting him to to do all the work for us and. Uh, you know, I'm not saying across the board. I'm sure lots of people are listening and saying I wasn't doing that, but but still, you know, I, I think there was a tendency, yeah. and I feel like you know, I don't think that's going to happen this time. I, I, first of all, I don't think people are just believing that Biden's going to solve everything. I think people recognize they have to push him on healthcare, they have to push him on the environment, they have to you know push him to do the things that we want him to do. Uh, but I, I think a lot of people are ready to do that and, and, and really see it as their responsibility yeah. to continue being engaged and involved. I hope that I'm right about that. I, I hope so, too. It is amazing to me, uh, you know, as, as uh, a member of uh, NARIS, the Grammy organization, a lot of people don't know one of the things that the Grammys does. And not only was I a member, but I was on the board for a while. And one of the things that I'm proud that the Grammys did with all the scandal and controversy that have uh, surrounded the organization over the past couple of months <laughs> um, is that we uh, would go to D.C. and also go to local representatives and fight for artists and musicians' rights. And that I thought was really cool. But one of the things I learned from that, it takes the smallest amount of calling your congressman or senator to get their attention. I mean, literally, if you make five calls to them, they start freaking out. It's amazing to me, like how little it takes. And that speaks to how little we are involved. Democracy only works if we are all involved. And um, and it, so I'm hoping everybody stays engaged. Um, and people yeah. may say, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I, well I will just say one thing, though, to yeah. temper what you just said, which is, is I think it does depend a little bit on the congressperson, because mm-hmm. I know for a fact that I have <laughs> talked the ear off of uh, our Pennsylvania senator yeah. Toomey and mm-hmm. his aides many, many, many times. And I can tell, you know, both from his votes and from his responses that he doesn't care a bit about what uh, uh, I well, and many, 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 many other people say to him. So there yeah. are exceptions. Uh, you know, I'm yeah. not sure which way is the exception, but yeah. but uh, the, the, there definitely are people who do not are not responsive. We need to vote those people out. He uh, just doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the other thing about career politicians that is challenging. In that, again, I go back to how the um, how we were set up to run was that general, you know, a citizen would go and serve for a year or two. And I think that needs to be encouraged more. Like I'm going to go serve for two, six years and then I'm done. This is not a lifelong career. This is not what I've chosen to do. And then you come back and to regular society. And, and, but the, the other side of that is because we can see what catastrophe that could be when someone doesn't know how to use how government works is that we're, it's also on us to learn how our government works. And I, I am I still can't believe that civics has been taken out of school. It blows my mind. Well, and, and you could a, argue that there's a good that there's a diabolical reason for that that yeah. it's intentional that the the people who take those things out don't want people to be well educated yes. about the way things work. But I would also say about what you were just saying that, that I I am 
I get in arguments a lot of times with people about term limits, mm -hmm. and I do not agree with term limits mm -hmm. because I don't mm -hmm. think the length of time is really the issue. My personal mm -hmm. feeling is, um, you know, if somebody like Trump is going to claim that the problem is career politicians like Biden, mm -hmm. you know, personally, some people who are career politicians are horrible and mm -hmm. some are lifelong public servants. Mm -hmm. And the reason that they stay in office is because they want to make sure things are done, you know, right and ethically. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that may be the minority, but there are people like that. And I know of people like that. And then there are people who come in for a short time, like the current resident mm -hmm. of the White House, who are horrible. You know, yeah. so I don't, I don't personally see the length of time as being the critical thing. Yeah. I think if we got the money out of politics mm -hmm. and if we fixed our system to get rid of things like gerrymandering and the electoral college, things that are inherently undemocratic, then I think that would make a much bigger difference than arbitrarily saying people can only serve for a certain amount of time. Yeah. That's just my, my personal feeling. I know that there are a lot of people who disagree with well, me about term limits, but I, I, I would hate to see somebody like Bernie Sanders forced out of the Senate because of, of, of having a cap on how long he could be in. And, you know, if we remember the Tea Party, that brought in all these new people, especially into the House, that mm -hmm. had never been in politics before. That wasn't a good thing. <laughs> they they, well, were, they but, were doing a huge amount of damage yes. to this country. So, well, again, I, the but length again, isn't the thing to me. But um, I think there has to be a way then that the length of time obviously gives you seniority. And I guess there is a certain amount of respect or honoring that comes with the length of time you do something. But... It also comes with perks and power, and that's where it gets to be dangerous depending on who the person is. And, um, you know, I know from serving on different boards or being parts of different organizations, I'm there for a long time, and it does end up, you do end up getting perks. Uh, you People end up, can get entrenched, yeah. But yeah. that perks thing gets back to what I was talking yeah. about. Not It's not only that, because you're also talking about power, but yeah. I think, you know, if we dealt with the problem, which is a corrosive, huge problem mm -hmm. in our country of money yeah. in politics, we would we would do more to solve those those issues. Yeah. You know, because if we didn't have that, if we didn't have these the ways that mm -hmm. the people's will was insulated, mm -hmm. you know, then we when we had an issue, for instance, like reasonable restrictions on guns that eighty percent of the country wants, it would be done because otherwise those people would be voted out. But the fact that they can take all this money from the NRA, the fact that they can rely on the, you know, undemocratic, you know, things like gerrymandering, mm -hmm. that's what protects people from the people's will. Right. You know, and, and, you know, so I think that we would just solve a lot more of these problems if we got rid of Citizens United. And, yeah. and you know, there was still a lot of work to do before that, but that certainly made things a lot worse. <laughs> yes. So, but it, and this is interesting, and we're having this discussion is what we're really co co getting down to is the value of our vote, because what does that vote actually mean? If, if, and and if I can go out and vote for something that eighty percent of the rest of the country wants, but someone over here has all this money, and they can hire a lobby organization to spend all this time convincing that my the same person I voted for to go opposite of the thing that we as 80% of us wanted that's a problem and how do we solve that problem and I think it's, it is taking money out of it but it's also um I think there 
again, this is always comes up as a tricky thing. I always go back to education, but it's also about ethics. It's also about, I mean, I think one of the things that is really sad to me is when you think about people um, who got a formal education 200, 100, uh, even 75 years ago, there was a, a big part of their liberal arts education was ethics and and um, honor and and a, a real struggle of looking at right and wrong. And again, I'm saying that people who are lucky enough to receive that kind of education got to grapple with a lot of those issues. And not, I'm not saying that people who don't have education don't get to grapple with those issues, but there's a way when you have to do a deep investigation of yourself in studying those subjects, you would hope, that um, that when you are um, in a situation where you have an ethical decision that I could influence this if you give me this, but that would be wrong. And it would benefit me, but it's not what the people I'm representing want. I won't do it. That's a really hard place to put most people into. And I think that is a big part of our problem is <laughs> the, the flawedness of our humanity. Is mm-hmm. Well, and you play. could argue that that issue with education is mm-hmm. another thing that has been influenced by too much money in politics <laughs> yes. because uh, not to be a broken record. Mm-hmm. And the kids are all saying, what's a record? Uh, no, they actually know what records are again now because they're in. Right. right? Yes. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, you know, I am a broken record on this, I think, a little bit. But, but you know, we wouldn't have... Uh, an education system that is overly influenced by testing if mm-hmm. the testing companies weren't a huge <laughs> lobby on the education thing. And we right. have somebody now in, you know, control of the, the, you know, at the federal level of the cabinet, Betsy DeVos, who's mm-hmm. just absolutely unbelievably horrible. But, you know, even under Obama, Arne Duncan was was one of his worst cabinet members, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and really didn't do that much to reverse that no child left untested legacy of W, uh-huh. you know, so, but, but why is all that? Mm-hmm. You know, when a lot of people care about education, a lot of people want education to be better. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, so many people are impacted by it. I think that, you know, the, the concerns of the people are not felt at the federal level right. on these issues again, because it's the money, right. you know, that is, is getting in the way of right. that. Cause the lobbyists have more say than we do. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think actually that thinking a little bit about education and children might be a good way to work into our first song. Yeah. Uh, because, Music. Uh, Imagine that. It was that. a wonderful project uh, <laughs> done by the children of Selma. Mm. You know, the children and grandchildren of the people who, who marched across that bridge with John Lewis and Martin Luther King. And it's a wonderful album, all sung by kids, uh, you know, uh, and one of my favorite songs about voting is on it. And it's it's called Vote For Me. Mm-hmm. The woman who wrote all the songs for that album is um, she she actually had been had a different name and she changed it, you know, uh, uh, along the lines of Malcolm X, you know, getting rid of the names that that dated back to, to slavery times. So uh, she now is uh, Faya Ora Rose Torre. Uh, and it's just, a, I think it's a great, great album. Unfortunately, it's not really, really widely available. Uh, and then after that, Rodney. We have John McCutcheon, who wrote A Vote, Damn It, another yeah. friend of the show. I love it. <laughs> and then we're going to hear a couple short songs. Well, one full-length song and one short song from Emily Joy. Uh, first, Tomorrow is Tuesday. And then the very practical advice about two envelopes.
Hi, this is John McCutcheon. I live in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and this last July, we lost two giants of the civil rights movement in a single week in the deaths of C.T. Vivian and Representative John Lewis. These were men who were not just active in the 1950s and 60s. No, they were out on the streets today causing what uh, John Lewis used to call good trouble, necessary trouble. Following their passing, the airwaves and newspapers uh, were filled with uh, heartfelt eulogies and biographies and old photographs and comments from uh, leaders great and small all across the world. And in the middle of all this, I kind of thought that the best way to honor these two giants was to exercise our most basic democratic right, and that is the right to vote, especially this year. Because this was something that both these men fought and worked and lived their entire lives to secure, the right to vote for all Americans. I get a wonderful little publication in my email box. I guess it would be called an e-zine. A couple of times a week called The Bitter Southerner, and they have a, a section, as many such uh, publications do, a store where you can buy books and all kinds of paraphernalia. And they had a T-shirt, and on the front of the T-shirt it said, Vote, damn it! 
I saw that and thought, well, I got the title. I got the motivation now. Right, damn it. And there you go. John Lewis walked across that bridge so you could vote, damn it. Like a soldier charging up a ridge so you could vote, damn it. Since that day in Selma Town, when violence threw him to the ground, he rose each time he was beaten down so you could vote, damn it. Vote, damn it, stand in line. Vote, damn it, every time. Prove the power, let it shine. And vote, damn it. They fought the Klan, they fought Jim Crow, so you could vote, damn it. They fought so you could have it so, so vote, damn it. They were brave and they were true, did what they were asked to do. Now the future looks to you, so vote, damn it. Vote, damn it, stand in line, vote, damn it, every time. Prove your power, let it shine, and vote, damn it. Fifty years we've had to fight, so vote, damn it. Still they try to steal our rights, so vote, damn it. Will you rise when you are asked to stand? When the call goes out, will you raise your hand? Let your voice be heard across this land, vote, damn it. Vote, damn it, stand in line. Vote, damn it, every time. Prove your power, let it shine, and vote, damn it. All those heroes of the past Dream about the ballots that they cast Pray that their sacrifice would last I'm a songwriter in Philadelphia. I'm here with my daughter, Sabrina Rose, and she's 10, very uh, close to being 11. Uh, I wanted to tell you about a song I wrote called Tomorrow is Tuesday from 2016. Um, I wish it was not so evergreen, but here we are. Uh, And the song is about what happens when we put our votes together and the power that uh, many voices have when they are united. I specifically wanted to ask my daughter a little bit about the second verse because it's something that she has thought about. What did you think about the second verse originally? Well, I used to think so 
I used to think Anne's loved one was out at war, and she, yeah. that's why she was voting to win. And it, and that upset you, right? Yeah, that upset me. Uh, war is na- pretty upsetting. Yeah, but now Mom told me they could be wrongly in prison, or an immigrant who was in detention or deported. Right, so, and yeah. would it have to be someone's spouse? No, it could be a child or a parent, right. or and just a partner yeah. or even a friend yeah absolutely and in this uh time right now we find that there are a lot of families that have been separated and it's really important that we use our votes to help keep them least together mm-hmm. right yeah well thank you for joining me so go out and vote Punching on time on her way to her second job, pulls out a folded page. She's got her ballot notes, dreams of a living wage. She's got just one vote, just like me and you. And if we all show up, just think what we could do. One and one is two, up to a million strong. That's how your voice is. That's how a new day dawns. Tomorrow is Tuesday and opens up her eyes. Looks at a picture, she's trying not to cry. Buttons up her coat, she's feeling so alone. She's gonna cast her
two envelopes is a song about mailing in your ballot. We are in Pennsylvania here. I know this is not relevant in every state, but in some it is. You need to not send in a naked ballot. There are two envelopes that you need to use. Uh, in Pennsylvania, I would recommend at this point that you bring it to a ballot box instead of drop it in, in the mail. But whatever you do, get your ballot in and vote. There are two envelopes to mail your vote. There are two. There are two. Don't you send your ballot naked. Dress it up in secrecy. In a two-one and then the other mail it early carefully. All right, so next we're going to hear uh, old-timey musician Joe Troop. And this is actually the, the title of this song. A plea to the U.S. government to fully fund the Postal Service. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then after that we have uh, They Might Be Giants with a Vote or Don't. And just in case you're worried, they're really actually saying vote, not or don't. But, I mean... That's the name of the song. All right. <laughs> and then Tom Smith with Talk and Election. And then Anson Olog again with uh, Humpty Vote. And the reason I said again, we played an Anson Olog in the other episode of uh, The Vote Show. <laughs> yes. I'm waiting by the mailbox. I said, Chick is coming soon. Come on, folks, these pain and pay a bill or two. But no more aid will come my way unless I take a stand. The U.S. Postal Service darling needs help in hand. Oh, won't you heed this message? Won't you hear my mournful cry? It's hard to keep your wits about with all this dead and dying. But hard times will come our way on this you can't rely. Unless the Lord will not be full of our dreadful lies. Our government is doing a disservice to us all. To not deliver us the mail should be against the law.
This is Tom Smith. The talking blues is a classic folk style that can't really be considered blues in the usual meaning of the term. The earliest known recording of a talking blues comes from 1926 by the Greenville Trio. Most famously, the talking blues form gained a lot of traction in the 50s and 60s by folk singers Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, Pete Seeger, and many others. Some describe it as a kind of folk rap. Often, talking blues make political commentary from the point of view of the common folk. A little tongue-in-cheek, like what you might expect if you gave Will Rogers a guitar. I wrote Talking Election while thinking about what Woody or Will Rogers might say if they were alive today. Here we go again, another election year. Politicians are on a tear. Some are pulling me to go out and vote. Others pushing me to make sure I don't. I'm registered and I vote. Some say when choosing who represents, we should put our trust in the 1%. Cut their taxes to the bone, fill our buckets with the money that trickles down. I see that's 99 for the few and one for the rest of us. Yeah. Sounds just about right I'm just a guy who works for minimum wage It must have been like this in the middle age A servant to a feudal lord I work for the guy with the biggest sword I should be grateful though All this useful work I'm doing Like building walls around the castle Gotta keep out all those job stealers. Science says there is no doubt what's causing all these floods and drought. But when we can't farm nor drink due to climate change, they'll still be drinking from the Coke machine. That's the Charles and David Coke machine. Champions of freedom fossil fuel with the best politicians money can buy when their god co-authors the laws we make we'll be burning witches at the stake and when we measure the freedom in our land by the count of guns in every hand then we can thank or blame those of us who voted and those who did not I'll tell it straight, I've got a choice to make To want to live in a country run by greed and hate Where black lives don't matter, facts are ignored Gender rights are on a cutting board Yeah, we have a choice to make Will I see you in November? Humpty Vote is a silly song we recorded four years ago when we wanted to urge everyone to vote. The song lives in a world where every nursery rhyme and every song ends with the line, vote, go vote. 
which seemed ridiculous four years ago, but seems pretty par for the course this year. Oh, 2020. sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men said, vote, go vote. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and vote. Go vote. Hum, dee dum. Hum, hum, dee dum, dee dum, dee hum. Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet, eating her curds and away. Along came a spider and sat down beside her and said, vote. Go vote. Vote. Go vote. Vote, vote. Go vote, go vote, go vote. Go vote. Vote, vote, go vote, go vote. Come gather around people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. Vote. Go vote. Vote. Well, I wrote another one of my uh, simple songs meant for like rallies and stuff like that uh, called Vote Like Your Life Depends On It. And uh, this will be kind of the uh, more of a performance version of the song because in in an actual like rally or something like that, you'd probably just keep doing the same thing through the whole verse because it's a zipper song. But we decided that got a little monotonous when you're not in a rally situation. So we kind of do, you know, a different line uh, for each one, you'll see how it works. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and it's you know it's the kind of song that's meant for uh, rallies and stuff. And it, and my friend Amanda Yudis Kessler uh, was inspired by my song, which I'm kind of honored by to write her own song. She wanted to be a little bit more. Uh, I guess more visioning. Uh, and so she wrote a song called Vote Your Dream. Mm. And we're going to hear two short versions of that song where one is just her uh, demo of it. And then a church choir did a harmonized version of it that we'll also hear. And they, you know, have, it's kind of nice sometimes to hear two versions of the same thing. And up next, we'll have Roy Zimmerman with My Vote, My Voice, My Right. And then Greg Greenway with a song very much about South Africa's first vote after apartheid called One Man, One Woman, One Vote. And then Scott Cook with Say Can You See. You gotta vote like your life depends on it. Vote like your life depends on it. Vote like your life depends on it. Like your rights depend on it, vote. Like your health depends on it, vote. Like your children depend on it, oh, you know it's so. We gotta vote. Like the earth depends on it, vote. Like the courts depend on it, vote. Like democracy depends on it, oh, you know it's so. You gotta vote. Like black lives depend on it, vote. Like women depend on it, vote. Like trans folk depend on it, oh, you know it's so. We gotta vote. Like immigrants depend on it, vote. Like justice depends on it, vote. Like our future depends on it, oh, you know it's so. We gotta vote. Like our lives depend on it, vote. 
Amanda Yudis Kessler. I'm a songwriter and composer in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and a college friend of David Heitler Clemens. When I heard David's wonderful new song, Vote Like Your Life Depends Upon It, I was inspired to write a song in response that was also about encouraging us to vote, but that was more focused on our hopes and aspirations. There is much for us to be afraid of, and, and again, I really value David's song, and I thought I would love us to also have a song that uh, is about inspiring us to vote and reminding us of what our hopes and dreams are, what we want from this world, and what we should give the world. And so I offer Vote Your Dream. Vote your dream of justice. Vote your dream of kindness. Vote your dream of peace and joy. Vote to heal the world. Vote to end the violence. Vote to end the cruelty. Vote to end the hate and fear. Vote to heal the world. Vote for love and welcome. Vote for truth and beauty. Vote to lift compassion up. Vote to heal the world. Vote a safer country. Vote a healthy planet. Vote for human dignity. Vote to heal the world. Vote your dream of justice. Vote your dream of kindness. Vote your dream of peace and joy. Vote to heal the world. Vote to end the violence. Vote to end the cruelty. Vote to end the hate and fear. Vote to heal the world. Vote for love and welcome. Vote for truth and beauty. Vote to, to lift compassion up. Vote to heal the world. Vote a safer country. Vote a healthy planet. Vote for human dignity. Vote to heal the world. Way back when, when they said all men, they meant every wealthy European male. So back then to vote required being white and being rich and being male. They said you can't vote if you got no property. You can't vote if you're not free. You can't vote if you are a woman because you got no stake in democracy. Year by year people had to ponder what the declaration must have meant. By all men, clearly it was time for an electoral adjustment. And they won the vote for those who had no property. Won the vote for those who'd been freed. Won the vote 
for women in America. They wrote it down, it was guaranteed. They all said it's my vote, you can't deny it. My voice can't take it away. My right, I won't be quieted. My vote, my voice, my right. My vote, my voice, my right. Rights are right, but without a fight it can't evaporate and float away. And by night there were those who came around and tried to take the vote away. Saying you can't vote, you haven't paid the poll tax. You can't vote, you can't pass the exam. You can't vote for fear of retribution. And the people stood up and said, well, damn, it's my vote. You can't deny it. My voice can't take it away. My right. I won't be quieted. My vote, my voice, my right. My vote, my voice, my right. So my friends, get to know your candidates and register and rock the vote. And beware, always in the shadows, there are those who want to block the vote. Saying you can't vote, your machine isn't working right. You can't vote, cause you're going school you can't vote you registered improperly you can't vote because your lines are too long say you're gonna use it say you'll never lose it and if they ask you whose it is just say it my vote my voice my right it's my vote my voice my right it's my vote you can't deny it my voice can't take it away I won't be quieted. My vote, my voice, my right. It's my vote, my voice, my right. 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 This is Greg Greenway. One man, one woman, one vote has a very near to my heart uh, story behind it. I was flying into Washington, D.C to play a house concert, and the guy who picked me up was the man running the concert, putting it on. And we started talking about the fact that it was during the three-day period of the first South African election where black Africans could vote, the election that eventually elected Nelson Mandela. And then he told me, I don't think you realize this, but I had published a book, and it was the compilation of all of Robert Kennedy's speeches. And he said his most quoted speech was from 1966 from Cape Town University. And the speech was so radical in the eyes of the South African government that Robert Kennedy was banned the next day, which meant he could only be in a room with two people at a time. So the tour was finished essentially by Ethel, his wife. And so Ethel got to meet all the now famous leaders, black leaders of South Africa. And then uh, my friend Rick said, hey, you know, she's going to be here tonight. And I was a little stunned. Um, so that evening I went upstairs. He gave me a copy of his book. I read the speech. And I began thinking about the stories I had heard about what people from South Africa had gone through to vote. And all of this was in the face of, of how few of American voters who are eligible to vote vote, somewhere below 50%. And these people fought for their lives for this vote. The verses of this song come from A. 
me remembering that during the period of, that it was the period of the election, two was about a woman who had lost all of her land to the South African government because it was declared a black spot, which meant it was good land. Um, and then the third was a man who was an expatriate who had to flee the country, but he was in Boston, and he had taken a chair and sat all night outside of the state capitol because expatriates could vote in the South African election at the Boston state capitol. And he sat out there all night to be the first vote cast. So these stories were so inspiring, and they found their way into that song. And somehow I got it together to finish it, to play the song, and then to shake the hand that had shaken the hand of Nelson Mandela, of Desmond Tutu, etc., etc. Um, that was a remarkable thing I'll never forget. Homeland fled under the gun. 
from Edmonton, Alberta. My ballot is signed and submitted and my fingers are crossed. I just released an album called Tangle of Souls that comes in a 240 page book with a chapter for each song on the record. And I'd like to read you a little excerpt from the chapter for say, can you see? This is a song for the country of my birth. This is the closest I've ever come to deliberate propaganda. I wanted to write a love song for the American experiment. And I wanted to write a protest song that didn't divide people, that didn't mention any of the hot-button issues that separate right and left. I was thinking of my relatives, people I love, good people who voted for Trump. And I was thinking of Walt Whitman, Woody Guthrie, Bernie Sanders, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I wanted to write a song I could sing to all those Americans if they were in the same room. Many of my friends have already given up hope for America, and some have given up hope for the human race altogether. It just might be proven right, but I haven't lost heart yet. I still smell possibility on the wind. I travel around the States a lot, and while I'm lucky to move in folk music circles, I'm grateful for the sane nationwide voice of NPR. I'm not completely insulated. I also listen to right-wing talk radio and new country stations, even loony fundamentalist stations. I stop in little towns and talk to people in diners and bars. I visit relatives around the country, almost all church people. I get a sense of the vastly different worlds people inhabit, and I still believe that most people are fundamentally good and decent and want a lot of the same things. Most Americans, I'm confident, want a fair living wage, healthcare they can afford, an end to wars of aggression, and a country where everyone has a chance to make a good life for themselves. We just disagree on how to get there. I have friends and family on both sides of the question, and to those who'd say, how can you have friends on that side? I say that's exactly our problem. We think anyone on the other side must be crazy, stupid, or just plain evil. We're listening to different voices. We inhabit different peer groups and different media bubbles. Worst of all, we actually tend to think our enemy is each other. While a small predatory few gradually confiscate the wealth of the country on a joyride toward extinction, they've got us fighting amongst ourselves. The owners of this whole mess the military-financial-prison-industrial complex have always been threatened by democracy, 
and they use every trick they've got to stop it. Their main trick's an old one, divide and conquer. So my hope with this song and this chapter is to look beyond the things that separate us to see if we might have more in common than we think. I love this country. I love the people and the land. But there's a lot of stuff happening that I can't understand. We got billions for bailouts. We got trillions for wars. But it's hard for working people to make a living anymore. Hear me out for a second. This ain't a partisan song. It ain't about right and left. It's about right and wrong. We're fighting over the scraps while a few are living like kings. Cause screwing us over's a bipartisan thing. And it's working people who made this country great. Not the greedy opportunists or the peddlers of hate. And if a new day's coming, it's gotta come from you and me. Oh, say, can you see? See, I got a neighbor. We don't always agree. He's a bit of a redneck, according to a hippie like me. But if you're in the ditch, he'll pull you out, I know he will. And that's more than I can say for all those dickheads on the hill. He works hard for his family. He's got loyalty and pride. The company took all he gave and then cast him aside. Cause there's profit and poverty. Hell, there's profit in prisons And they don't even pay taxes They just buy politicians But it's working people Who made this country great Not the greedy opportunists Or the peddlers of hate And if a new day's coming It's gotta come from you and me There's a lady with a flame Still calling in the huddled masses In liberty's name But there's fear on the airwaves And hatred wrapped in the flag Turning strangers into enemies And our riches into rags And a revolution To break the grip of greed Don't need a strong man or savior but I believe we're gonna need whatever magic this old world's got left to start. And all the ammunition in the chambers of our hearts is working people who made this country great. Not the greedy opportunists or the peddlers of hate. And if a new day's coming, it's gotta come from you and me Oh, say can you see 
you've been listening to Music for the New Revolution. I'm Rodney Wittenberg. I'm David Heitler-Clevens. Music for the New Revolution is recorded at Melody Vision Recording Studios and produced, written, and edited by David Heitler-Clevens and Rodney Wittenberg. And special thanks to our interns from Oberlin College, Valerie Kellner and Julian Worth. You can find us at musicforthenewrevolution.com or MFTNR. Like us on Facebook and follow our Spotify playlist. And our podcasts can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. And you can also be a patron, a supporter of our podcast on Patreon. This is Music for the New Revolution. Tell all the children in the arms of the mamas. The 